All right, welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignments. Josh Goldberg here for another week. And uh, as always, it's a uh, pleasure to be joined uh, by my friend, uh, Caitlin McGrath from The Athletic. And uh, let's, we'll get to, the Jays are playing, they're playing pretty good baseball right now. Like they're winning games for sure. We'll talk about it. But uh, it's been a week since I've done a podcast and uh, obviously a lot has happened um, in the last week off the field, on the field. And let's start, obviously, talk about the Anthony Bass situation. And, you know, like, I, I don't think that what I'm going to say is super surprising. Like, I thought it was it was a horrible thing uh, that was shared and, and just it was awful and um, stupid and callous and all the adjectives that you could possibly think of. And, like, he gave that 30-second apology and I was... I wasn't impressed by it. Like it didn't come across as incredibly sincere or or genuine to me. Like it came across as kind of a canned 30 second statement. And whenever you start something with let's get this over with and, and then don't take questions, you know, your intentions don't come across as um, incredibly pure. So like there needs to be more done. And, and obviously um, like they're not cutting him. I, I wouldn't have been shocked if they did. I wouldn't have, been opposed if they did because he's also not that great uh like i think he's replaceable but they're not doing it it would have happened already but i guess my question is like i watched the 30 second thing shortly after it happened and and was like like in like in a bomb went off in my brain i didn't know how to react to it what was it like being down on the field like in the lead up was there what was the preparation like from the Blue Jays just being like, okay, Bass is going to speak at this point. Did they make it clear that he wasn't taking questions? Like, you know, what were you expecting? And then as it unfolded in front of you, like how did you respond, react to, you know, that 30-second apology? Yeah, so we got a heads up maybe a couple hours prior to our arrival time at the ballpark that he would be speaking. But... At that time, they did not tell us there would be no questions. And then when we went down for the availability, which was a few minutes before Clubhouse was opening, I think, that's when we were told like a minute or two before he came out that there would be no questions. So not great on the Blue Jays' part to not give us that heads up well in advance. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were still organizing how they were going to do it when they initially told us and they weren't decided on if he was going to take questions or not. And they decided maybe last minute that he wasn't going to, but he didn't. And we only really found out about that very shortly beforehand. So that kind of threw us off a little bit, I think, because usually an availability is the opportunity to hear from a player, but also ask him questions. And so yeah, the statement happened. Your read on it is, I think, what a lot of people's read on it was. It was it went by so quickly. And I think just not answering questions left everyone feeling disappointed in the in it because it's like you you don't allow yourself to answer follow-ups. We as the media and the media acting as, you know, uh, a way for the fans to learn more can't ask, you know, why did you post that? What's changed in the last 24 hours? Do you know exactly what you're apologizing for? Expand, expand, expand. So we kind of learn more about the situation and can read the remorse level. I think that it also was unfair to leave John Schneider, the manager, yeah. as the only person in the entire organization, really, that was answering for it. He had his regular manager availability and answered like 10, 15 questions from us. And to his credit, he didn't shut down questionings. It wasn't like, okay, guys, we've talked about this enough. It was like answering every question that we had until we all exhausted. You know, even I think the GM maybe answered a question here and there from some reporters, but there was not a general availability with anybody in the organization. The organization released a statement that sort of distance itself from individual players' views, but really haven't expanded on the Anthony Bass situation 
specifically, as in when Anthony Bass talked about using the Blue Jays resources, we still don't know what that is. We don't know what's that going to entail. We don't know when that's beginning. Like we don't know anything about that. And so I think that's just the big question that we're left with. And none of those questions have been answered, not from Bass, not from the organization. You know, I'll give Schneider a break because he did answer a lot of the questions to, to begin with, but it has been a week now or so. And we still don't really know what is going to come from this situation. So I think that is, that is just left hanging. And I think I can understand the frustration from the fans all over because of that situation. Yeah. So it is very interesting that there wasn't, there wasn't like a, it just didn't seem like there was in these situations, like the, a a company or an organization goes into like a crisis mode where they really attack a situation and they come out with a coordinated response plan. And they didn't seem to have much in the way of that. Like you said, it, it seemed a bit scattered and it was mostly Schneider. And, you know, maybe as they, they return home here, um, there's going to be more to it. But I guess like uh, one more quick question and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about baseball. Um, like now that they're home, like, do you feel like you mentioned you and the media covering the team are kind of like a conduit of sorts for the fans, you know, looking for inside information or just looking for like you write features all the time, just trying to paint these guys like they're as more than just faceless robots who play baseball. Like there's there's layers to them. Like, do you feel a sense of responsibility, um, you know, to the fans and just in general, like in, in your profession to follow up? on this, like moving forward to see, you know, like what level of progress is made um, or improvement is made, you know, when it comes to Bass, like talking about how he needs to to better himself and understand, you know, what his words, like in terms of the weight that they carry and how offensive that was, like, do you feel some sort of responsibility, uh, you know, to continue to pursue, um, you know, some level of, you know, further explanation or, or just, you know, like more information to this beyond what we've already received. Yeah, I think it's important to follow up on this story. I, a few reporters have, but I read some of the comments and it doesn't sound like there's been anything concrete yet in terms of what he's exactly doing. They, they were home for a little bit last week, then they're on the road. Now they're home again. And it is Pride Month and it is going to be Pride Weekend coming up at the Rogers Center. Yep. And so uh, I think that, yeah, to just to answer your question, like it is important to follow up because especially when a player and an organization sort of hides behind, we're going to educate, we're going to use yeah. resources, then you really have to follow up and say, okay, what have you done? What are those steps that you're taking? Because you told us a week ago or two weeks ago or whatever it was that you were going to educate yourself and you were going to better yourself from this and you were going to learn from this. Well, what have you learned? What have you been doing? So I do think with these stories in particular, sometimes the use of those sort of phrases are to sort of kick the can down the road and not have to answer to something in the moment. So that's why, especially the media, we have to continue to ask about it and follow up because you don't want to just let them get away with using that sort of can phrase to sort of not answer for something in the moment. Right. And yeah. it, and, and, and yeah. it like, it yeah. is yeah. one of these things like the baseball season is busy. There's games every day. There's a lot happening. There's tons of storylines you have to stay on top of, but yeah, I think this one, especially given the festivities that are going to be coming up. And I don't think the stories are going to go away in the sense that, I don't I think that Anthony Bass is going to continue to get booed. Oh, 100%. At, at the Rogers Center yeah. every time he pitches and that is a totally as you said like the right of fans to do that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he put his opinion out there and it is everyone's right to refute that opinion or or express their own opinion and that they don't like his opinion. Yep. Um and so I th- I don't think this is going to go away. I think this is going to be a story almost all season long until we get some answers from him. 
Yeah, and, and, and the organization. What, for sure. And what what I'll say is a lot of people will say, oh, well, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. He can say whatever he wants. For sure, he can. But there's not freedom from consequences from what you say. Your actions, there's always a consequence, good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise, to something you do or say. So like Anthony Bass isn't getting canceled. He still has a job. Right. He has is facing consequences where people are being critical of something that he said and something that, you know, he put forward or maybe not said, but something that he put out that represents how he feels uh, about something. And it was a nasty, horrible, hateful thing. And, you know, fans have every right to say what they want to yell at Anthony Bass to boo at Anthony Bass because like this isn't your average situation where it's like you know a, a you know a, an athlete you know says something dumb or something like that like no this is way beyond that and yeah i think the the fact that the fans i think by and large are going to continue to not uh, be approving of Anthony Bass when he takes the field probably leads me to believe, like you said, that until there's some concrete plan or something laid out or shown or demonstrated, that it's going to continue to be an issue for fans as it should be. Right. Yeah. Like you asked for an apology or you, and you have to earn that apology and or forgiveness, I guess I should say, but you also have to back it up by mm-hmm. doing the work that you said you were going to do. And I completely understand if a lot of people sort of think it's not genuine regardless. Like I sort of, yeah. I totally understand that yep. as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's going to be fascinating to see uh, how this thing goes uh, over the next couple of weeks. Okay. There's never a good way to transition um, from something of that sort, but like on a on a positive note for the Blue Jays, they've won seven to nine games. Um, they're playing much better baseball. They continue to really do well against teams that aren't in the division. And then obviously it's not been great in the division. And like, I'm going to throw this at you. I'm curious what you think of it. So far through 60 games, this team has a very 2016 vibe Um to Mm -hmm. it in the sense that you know the 2016 blue jays i don't know if they started more than five starting pitchers all year like it was the same guys seven i think yeah they were healthy and durable and good bullpen was pretty good like they added at the deadline um and the offense was underwhelming it wasn't bad but relative to 2015 and even before like bautista and carnacion like they had guys who could you know, put up big numbers. Guys still had good years, but it didn't have the same feel. Like they were grinding out a lot of games. Like the way they clinched that year at Fenway Park, like they won a nip and tuck game, relatively low scoring on the final weekend of the season to to clinch a wild card spot. I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen here, but at least through 60 games, like yeah, the starting pitching by and large, I think has been good. You know, Manoa, we'll get to that. It hasn't been good. Kikuchi has been, relatively speaking, better than expected. And then the other three guys, for the most part, have been really good. Bullpen's been pretty solid. And the offense just hasn't clicked yet for whatever reason. So, like, do you, do you see that parallel a little bit? Like, is this just going to be what it is all year? Or do you think that, like, as we're getting into the warmer weather, that it's it has to happen where this team goes on like a two week run where they're averaging, you know, like six and a half or seven runs a game. That's a good comp. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think that the starting pitching that year was even better. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they had like any weak links really. I mean, obviously you have like your one through five, but um, that, I I don't know. The offense this year has been weird because it's not like on paper, if you look at it statistically, like been that bad. No, it's been no. like just really off some weeks with runners in scoring position, like, and which means they're not scoring a ton of runs, but they're getting a ton of hits. Like their mm. production in terms of like average is up there. I haven't looked lately, but it's probably in the top 10 of the, the, majors if not higher mm-hmm. um you know they've they they're not hitting as many home runs but they're actually sort of similar to the pace that they were hitting them last year last year there was a bit, a bit slow to start as well 
Um, and so it's just been such a strange often. And if you look like up and down the lineup, like there's a lot of guys that are sure there's guys that are underperforming, but there's a lot of guys that are overperforming too. And you mm-hmm. would think that that kind of like balances out um, to, to just be a really good offensive team. And I think that, I think some of the runners in scoring position, I think they've been a really unlucky team uh, offensively. You would think that that would change um, or just even out or, you know, normalize a little bit. So some of these low scoring games or these tight games, like I think at some point we're going to see some separation. They've had a pretty tough schedule. They really haven't. They have not really like had like many series against bad pitching teams um you know even teams like the twins like their strength is their pitching and like the Mets pretty good pitching still like they can't score but their pitching's been pretty good um and so I think that some of that is probably impacting it like they've just been playing pretty good teams and when you're you know it's hard to hit against really good teams so I'm not like I guess my concern level with the offense is still fairly low mm-hmm. um i think part of that is your george springer's fine he's yep. george springer again um i think you're seeing more from kirk lately uh before he went on the il you were seeing more from jansen so hopefully he can kind of like return soon and just go back bo's obviously been incredible this year uh vladdy up and down so far but at least this weekend he kind of looks like he's finding his way out of it you know matt chapman mixed results obviously an amazing april and a terrible may looking better this month ish um so i guess when i look like at the people i'm not too concerned you know whit merrifield's been really solid and Mm -hmm. hitting in the middle of the lineup bgo's even coming out of it lately so i think that it's probably a matter of time before it clicks. It, it's going to be tough again, though. I mean, they're playing Houston and they're playing the Twins this week. Again, like good pitching teams. They're going to be at home at least. Uh, they've been slightly better at home this year. So I would say the offense to me, it's just been like weird. And I think probably I would lean on the side of I think it's been rather unlucky. And I think at some point, like the true talent, like the fact that they, are, they just have like a ton of hits. I think they have like they – out hit most teams and in so many of the games they've lost they've actually out hit yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> the other team it's just yeah. they're not scoring runs so at some point like that stuff will probably start to normalize and you'll just see the knocks start happening a little bit more well uh, looking looking at the stats so they're they're second in the league in hits right uh they're tied for third in batting average they are though um 11th in runs scored and they are tied for 13th in home runs, and they're uh, in the top 10 in OPS. They're tied for seven. So it's an indication, I think, a little bit that there just hasn't been that big blow that you're accustomed to. It's like, you know, in the past, they've strung together hits, and then there's a three-run homer that breaks things open or a two-run double. Like, you know, on Sunday, Merrifield came through in a big way with a Mm two-run double that really propelled them. They just... Like it's really the home runs that that stand out to me. Like I, I, I didn't expect them to to be as prolific of a slugging team this year as they were last year. Because like, yeah, Tay Oscar hasn't been good in Seattle, but you know you had to replace a real productive power hitter, and and you know, like you you were hoping that Belt was going to be that type of guy that could fill in. Like he's been really good. He had only his third home run of the season. It just feels like, you know, even when guys are performing um, at the plate, there just hasn't been the same level of thump that I thought there would be. Like I still thought that at the core, this the offensive identity would be still home runs. And that hasn't really been the case. So like, is is that just, what it is or is there still like enough there that you think that you know by by the end of the season this is probably still going to be a a top five home run hitting team in the league Mm, I'm not sure about top five maybe like top eight I could see them moving up higher than 11th I mean maybe top five in the AL but not top five in the majors Mm -hmm. I I would probably put them more like in the eight to ten range or maybe the six to ten range um but yeah, I think that you would expect more from Vlad. Maybe as the weather heats up, you'll get a little bit more from him. 
Uh, Springer, again, like slow start. I think you're going to probably get like the 20 to 25 home runs you expect from him. Matt Chapman, like probably a little bit more from him in terms of power. He was hitting, he's hit a ton of doubles. He's been kind of a doubles machine this year. Uh, you know, Jansen, let's see when he comes back. Like he obviously adds some thump to the lineup. Kirk really doesn't seem to have the power that maybe he showed a little bit in the first half of last year. Yeah. Seems like he's kind of a singles machine at this Which point. Which isn't like <laughs> the, the most fine. ideal though. Like you would want more. It's just like, yeah. I, it's, is it a swing? Like I don't totally get it because like he's plenty capable of driving baseballs out. We saw it a bunch last year, but it just, I don't know. Like he's been better lately. He basically never strikes out. He almost always has a good at bat. Mm -hmm. Like it's just been to me for him. It's just been a weird season. Like I think the Manoa situation, which we can dive into in a bit, like he has kind of worn that as well because that was such a good tandem last mm-hmm. year like such a good partnership and like he was just so valuable uh, really all around and then this year that hasn't worked the same way for whatever reason I just feel like defensively he's regressed somewhat like there's been more you know issues like we've seen in the past like in terms of framing at times obviously base stealing like the Jays are I haven't looked closely but they have to be one of the worst teams in terms of navigating uh, opponents on the base pass and like I'm not worried about Kirk like I'm not relitigating trading Moreno but it's just it's been to me somewhat of a disjointed start to the season for Kirk yeah I would agree with that I mean I think part of it goes back to like the spring and late start and everything's I think that kind of explained his slow start offensively a little bit just having that weird spring when he was obviously understandably waiting for the birth of his child and your observation on the Manoa thing is interesting. It would make a lot of sense that that would impact you. I think that they're so close mm-hmm. in terms of friendship and also, you know, a pitching catcher duo that it would kind of wear on you. I think the fact that it's not working the way that it did last year, you both are not jiving the way and then, you know, you lose that spot and you get it back. It's just, it's probably stressful. Um, so, you know, and he's still so, he's still young. Like mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we like forget how many steps Kirk basically just skipped. I mean, he basically didn't even play triple a. He yeah. went from like, high A to getting called up to the majors because of the weird pandemic year and stuff. And he really hasn't had much failure. I mean, he's kind of similar to Manoa in the way that he really just sped through the system um, and has learned along the way in the majors. And for the most part has just succeeded along the way in the majors. Um, Kirk has had a few more injury issues than uh, Manoa, but that those are has been his real only like adversity in terms of dealing with anything. He really hasn't struggled um, for prolonged, prolonged periods. I mean, one of his first full seasons, he's an all star. So I think that the two of them struggling both together and sort of separately, I guess, I think that it's hard not to think it's linked. Um, and they're actually kind of you know, very similar in the sense that this is really the first time either of them has probably struggled generally in their baseball career. Um, You know, I know Manoa had some um, learning to go through in college and stuff, but in terms of the professional level, um, they've both been highly successful every step of the way and, and skip so many steps to get to the majors. So I think that's easy to forget for both of them. Kirk is Kirk is so like cool customer that you kind of forget how young he is. Yeah. Like it's, it's always been an interesting kind of like compare and contrast between the two of them. Like we've talked about this before about how the, the fiery temperament of one and the cool as a cucumber temperament of the other seems to have worked. And like, that's why Kirk is like a metronome. I don't worry about him getting down on himself or anything like that. Whereas like we can get into the Manoa conversation now. Um, Like for the first time after that start against Milwaukee, it really seemed like, 
there was wavering of confidence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like he was talking about how he's just in his head about, you know, not throwing a ball and trying to throw a strike and not just going out there and executing. And I do have to think that, like for somebody who just came up, had this meteoric rise through the the minors and then immediately came up and was excellent. It wasn't just like he was he was good. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League for like a year and a half right out of the shoot with very mm-hmm. few bad starts. And now it's just like, that's what's so confounding about it is just, even if you talked and like we talked early in the season, oh, maybe he'll regress like a run in terms of ERA, have a three and a half ERA. Nobody in their wildest nightmare would have expected he'd be the worst qualified starter in the league and leading major league baseball in walks. And like, he's just not close mechanically. He's all over the place. Like he's his landing spot always seems to be a problem. He's always kicking at the mound. Like, I don't really know what the solution is like in a perfect world. Maybe you'd, you'd back him off and, and allow him to work through some things in a lower leverage situation, but it doesn't seem like the blue Jays are inclined to do that. And they are, they can't really do that because they, they don't really have much in the way of depth. Like if you want to start Zach Thompson, could it be worse? Probably. Could it be better? Not much better. And then do you risk losing Manoa? If you, you know, demote him or something like that, or try and frame an IL stint in some way uh, as good. Like, I just don't really know what you do. Like to me, there's not really an easy answer here. And it's unfortunate because like you're, they're not in a position where they can just afford to have a four inning start every fifth day and be swimming upstream to win a ball game. Like they need to maximize in this division in the American league, you have to maximize your chances to win every game. And right now he's not somebody who does that for you. Yeah. The blue Jays are because of the awful May that they had, they've kind of put themselves in a position where they do need to go on some of these, like, They've won four in a row. They need to kind of go on these like six in a row, seven in a row, or winning, you know, five of seven and then winning four of six. You know, like they need to go on runs. Like they can't. um, And to go on runs, you have to have consistently strong performances from, you know, up and down the roster. You have to have good starts because the Blue Jays, I mean, every team is like this, but the Blue Jays in particular this year, it's been noticeable when they get a good start they are usually going to win that game. Like they've, they've had some great starts. Um, I think they are up in the American league in terms of quality starts. Um, And so the Manoa thing, um, you know, it's tough for him individually, but it's also tough for the team because yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to put your bullpen out. The Blue Jays don't have a great situation in terms of like a long man, like their long man is like Trevor Richards who like, by the way, is also becoming like their best reliever. Um, I mean, one of their best relievers. For sure. um, but certainly his value is as somebody that can give you two, maybe three innings if he's really efficient. Um, but he's also a guy that like you, if you use him for three innings and he's down for probably a day or two, um, or, you know, definitely a day, if not two, and then you kind of lose like one of your better strikeout uh, arms. So that's something that, you know, they don't want to always have to rely on Trevor Richards going out for three innings every time with Manoa um, because there's a ripple effect on the rest of the games in that series. Um, And so to your point about like what they do, like they don't really have a great plan B. There's not really anyone triple a, I mean, the only name that's like sort of emerged somewhat recently and is Bowden Francis, but a, he's not on the 40 man and B his success has been the last only handful of starts. Um, and it's been sort of after a year where he really struggled, like I know he was good in spring and I think he played in winter ball. And so he's been working on stuff. And so, you know, looks like he's doing well with that, but I don't know that that's like an instant solution, right? Like you might just be, and also at the major league level, I'm not sure that he's giving you more than four or five innings anyway. So it's, you're in the same position. Um, other than maybe if you think it would be helpful to give Manoa a, a breather, then maybe it would, but I'm not, I'm not of the belief that they think that it would be helpful. Um, I mean, maybe if it really gets to a bad point, his confidence gets to an all time low, which he's a really confident guy. So to see him kind of feeling really down and being pretty frank with it was honestly like kind of startling. Cause we have not really seen Manoa 
we've seen him disappointed. Like I've seen him disappointed after games where whether it's he didn't pitch well or he pitched well, but the team still lost or like whatever, like he's been disappointed, but he's never like wavered in terms of his confidence. Like he's never expressed anything other than like knowing that he can, you know, improve and, or, you know, knowing that whatever he's going to go out there and compete. And it's, it's not like he wasn't saying he can go out there and compete. It was just like a sort of like a different level of sort of frustration, I guess, um, on his part where he was talking about, there's a real big difference when you're a pitcher and you're thinking throw a strike versus don't throw a, a ball. Yeah. Um, and so when you're thinking, don't throw a ball, don't throw a ball, don't throw a ball, you're probably going to throw a ball. Whereas you have to have the mentality, like, I'm going to throw a strike here. Like, you don't even want to enter in your mind that you're thinking about balls, right? You're like, you just want to attack. And I think that's the thing that's been so startling about Manoa's season. I think, like, in terms of the regression that you mentioned, it was believable that we could see some regression with, like, hard hit balls because he was pretty lucky in terms of – um not giving up home runs last year. And, and, uh, you know, I think hard hit hard hits was one of the things that was something to point to as to like, okay, he could regress in this area, especially with like the new dimensions of the Rogers center and all this afraid. It's like, is he going to get as lucky as he did last year? Maybe not. But one thing that he always had going for him was his command. Like he, he never gave up walk. He rarely gave up walks last year. He's very low in that regard. And so it was one thing where it's like, okay, I can imagine him giving up more home runs because, you know, he gives up some hard hits. He's pitching in the zone. He's attacking the zone. When you do that, you're going to give up some home runs. Maybe he gives up more this year. But the fact is that he's just like not hitting the zone. Like he's not like even like, even his uh, competitive misses aren't competitive yeah. and he's missing by a ton. Like it's just startling to see him. It's almost, you feel bad. Yeah. Honestly, like you, you really feel bad because he is so passionate about winning and competing up there. And it is probably, I can't imagine, but it is a horrible feeling. I'm sure to be not, able to do what you want to do and have that happen in front of so many people like you know we all we all fail at various things in our life but we don't usually have to do it in front of millions of people um in a you know multi-billion dollar industry where a lot is riding on your success so i can't imagine he's a young guy like he's he's not you know he doesn't have tons and tons of years of experience and so i think he's leaning on some of the the pitchers in the blue jays rotation um but it's hard because you know he was kind of like I wouldn't say like leader of the rotation in the sense that, you know, he was still young and learning, but certainly he was looked to as like, you're our guy, like game one starter opening day starter as a complete aside here. Are we believing there's like an opening day starter curse on the blue Jays now? Because (laughs) after Barrios last year, Jesus. I think for you, Ryu was like the year before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, maybe. (laughs) Because, like, yeah, to go from opening day starter to the worst starting pitcher, at least in the American League in that same season. And 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 they both got shelled um, on opening day. Like, Manoa's start on opening day was really bad. It's just, like, he went from giving you six innings at least every time, five innings, bare minimum. Like, five innings was his worst-case scenario. And now it's, like, I think seven out of his 12 starts, he hasn't gone five innings or more. It's just, like... yeah. I don't know what I, I honestly really don't know what to make of it. Like, no, and, and he, he just was... doesn't seem close either. Like he's pitching against the Astros. I, I would be shocked and I hope so. I'm, I will hope to be pleasantly surprised if that start goes well at all. Like they're a patient team. If he's going to have to be good to have a good start and he just doesn't seem close to being good. Yeah. And like, it's been it, it's just been a total lack of efficiency. I mean, the walks obviously if you're giving up a ton of walks, you're not going to be very efficient with your pitch count, but I think even if he's getting guys out, it's yeah. not happening as quickly. Like he used to go like pitch 1, pitch 2, 0 oh and 2 right away, and maybe he takes 
takes three or four pitches to get a guy out five, but he used to be very not, he wasn't a quick worker in terms of like, he actually did take his time on the mound, but in terms of executing against guys, you were, you saw him in a lot of good counts. Like he was getting uh, strike one, strike two fairly quickly. Um, and then, you know, once you do that, you can expand the zone, throw your slider, get guys to chase, yeah. right. You kind of earn that. He's not been able to do that this year. It's, he's falling behind. He's battling. Like nothing's a real easy out with him. Even when he's getting a few strikeouts, they're usually not happening very quickly. Yeah, like one more thing on this, and then we'll 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 move on. Like I wasn't really sure what to make of it. You know, like a lot of people have said that the pitch clock is has been a culprit, and he's had to work faster. It's taken him out of rhythm. Like he's a big guy. Like in terms of endurance, stamina, is that a factor? And the longer this goes on, I, I'm more inclined to to pay that you know credence. Like at the very least, the pitch clock I think has to be having some sort of an impact on him where, you know, like he could really be methodical in the past. He can't be as much anymore. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe that's just a chain reaction that's leading to, you know, him getting all out of sorts, all out of whack with his mechanics. Yeah. I think that it was very fair that the pitch clock could have positive effects on some guys, Kikuchi being one of them. I think that he actually got into his head too much previously on the mound and his he's a pretty quick worker um now uh, i mean in terms of he doesn't it doesn't look like he's thinking too much on the mound and i yeah. mean that is a good thing um but it seems to have had a positive effect on him whereas manoa doesn't seem to he's mer- maybe more so a methodic a guy that likes his routine and he used to sort of use his time on the mound and now he just doesn't have that. And it could be one of those things where maybe it was like that at first and then he's struggling with it and then it starts to spiral and there's other things and the pitch clock's still happening. I feel like it's probably a lot of different things and the pitch clock's probably a factor, but it's something that is, um, you know, maybe heightened other struggles that he was going to have this year. Like it's made them worse. Um, it's made it harder to, wrap your mind around them or like you always feel like you're a step behind. I'm sure we've all felt that in our, you know, whether you're working on a deadline and you just feel like you're not going to get everything done. Like you just always feel like you're one step behind. I'm sure the pitch clock has that effect on guys, especially when you're like not feeling good. It's one thing if like you're benefiting from it, but if, if you feel like it's taking away from you, um, that, yeah, that's really tough. Like, um, and so the blue Jays have, we've asked about it. Like, pitch clock and of course they've said it's not going to be a factor they're not ever really going to say it's going to be a factor because it's like it's not going away so it's something that they're just going to have to figure out behind the scenes if it is a factor um you know i i think we're at the point where last last outing i think it was after manoa's start that didn't go so well schneider was asked like well it's not going to flip like it's not just suddenly going to overnight flip like how what what even is what's the process here and he said and i tend to agree with like it's just gonna have to be like incremental from here like it's gonna have to be like you know if manoa can give you six good innings or fine innings or at least least give you six innings even if he gives up four four runs or whatever four or five runs if he can give you six and he's fairly efficient if keeps his walks down you know that's one incremental step. And then maybe you can build on that. Like, I feel like the idea that it's just going to flip and we're going to see like him throw like eight shutout innings against the Astros probably feels unlikely, but can we have a step forward from his last outing? Like, can he be more efficient with his pitches? Like, can he pitch six innings at the very least? Like help your bullpen out a little bit more. Like I think we're at the point in the season where we're really just going to have to, and he'll probably have to focus on incremental things. Like, cause probably that's maybe overwhelming too, is trying to like flip it every start, trying to be like the guy that you were last year. Like it's probably not going to happen overnight. It's not, I mean, we did see him like pitch really well uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you, that was back in April. Um, and you kind of thought like, oh, okay, maybe it was just like a weird early season blip, but now we've it's been a long time. And so I think that that's kind of what I'm going to be watching for. It's like, can we just see him you know, three walks instead of six or like yeah. whatever it may be? Like, you know, more efficient, you know, using his pitches better, 
working slightly quicker. Like there's just going to be like incremental goals, I think, from this point out. And then hopefully you can stack enough stack enough of those together that then you are sort of rolling a little bit and having a few decent starts back, back to back to back to back. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting, like how much does he, he has to accept that. And and I think right. that that will be a challenge for him because you know, like he's had so much success. And like you said, he's so competitive and so fiery that, you know, like even an incrementally better start to what he's been doing is still way worse than he's accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So like, I think the fact that, and we could talk about Brios now that, that he Brios has been so solid has really helped, mm-hmm. you know, like if Brios was, anywhere near what he was last year and Manoa was also doing this like the Blue Jays would be up shit's Creek probably without a paddle and like you look at Barrios's you know numbers I think he's got like a, a two and a half ERA over his last 10 starts like a, a good whip he's not giving up anywhere near as much hard contact I think he's given up like 30 less balls um at a certain exit velocity um less than he had at this time last year uh like he's not he only threw his uh, fastball i think nine times uh in 86 pitches uh in his most recent start against the mets like his slurve is a real weapon his sinker's been better his change uh, his change-ups really good. really good yeah like is is he back i guess is 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 the question that i pose to you like i'm inclined to say i think so and that's a huge de- development for the blue jays if so Oh, he's 100% back. I've been saying he's been back for weeks. Like I've I've said this to a number of people like he's fully back. He is the guy that you signed to a 7-year extension. He's doing exactly I think he's actually better. I think he's the best that he's looked ever with the Blue Jays right now. And going back to 2021 when they traded for him, he was really good for them. Yeah. Um, right when he came over, maybe like one or two like weird starts there, but overall he was really really good. Um, but I think he's been even better now. I think that the slurve and the changeup in particular have been really good pitches for him. I think he's commanding his fastball a lot better. The thing with him is like he's given up some walks, but he rarely gives up really bad walks like I think he's gotten hosed a few times on some calls that I remember I mean every every pitcher does so I mean on average I'm sure it's the same as everyone else but I just mean like his misses aren't big and his misses are like good misses it's like usually when he misses inside it's like well let because last year when he was missing it was like middle of the plate so I don't Mm -hmm. care if you miss inside because that's a good miss you can live with that miss right um and so to me he's just been like almost night and day different from what he was last year he and you know talk about confidence like he's he looks great his confidence is really great he's even from spring training on like he seemed like um I don't want to say like a different guy but he definitely felt like he was more on a mission to be like you know, I was not the guy that I was last year that was a one-off weird year I'm gonna be better this year like I'm I'm good enough to beat these guys. And I think last year he fell into like a spiral of like not thinking he could beat guys, like thinking they're going to beat him. And that's like the worst thing you can think is uh, uh, when you're a pitcher, because uh, usually it's pitcher advantage. So um, I think that he is fully back, like to the point where it's like, if he has a dud start, I'm like in this, I put him in the same category as like a Gosman and a Bassett where I'm willing to just throw that start out the window now obviously if it's like four or five six starts in a row then you're like okay what's going on here but like if he was to have like a real wonky start i would not immediately like start making comparisons to last year i would just be like just a weird start didn't have it today that's gonna happen but i think he's looked great i think he's um you know he's been exactly the guy you need him to be and, you know, if you're the Blue Jays right now, like you've got like your your one, two, three, Gosman, Bassett, and Brios right now. Like those guys, are yeah. those are your guys. Yeah, you feel pretty good about that. And like Kikuchi settled in, I think, as a, a perfectly acceptable number five starter. Like mm-hmm. it hasn't been great. He was, I thought, really good against the Mets. Um, you know, home runs, I think, are just they are what they are with him. I think it's just, you're just hoping that they're solos. Like they were two solos to fam because he wasn't walking guys the same way that he has been of late. But like you look at his numbers, you'll live with that. 
Um, it's just Manoa. Like if Manoa can get it going a little bit, then this profiles like the Blue Jays are suddenly with the bullpen, you know, Pearson emerging, even though, you know, he had a bumpy outing against the Mets back to back, I think is something to, to monitor with him um, and, and how he performs. Like their bullpen is good and relatively deep now, all of a sudden, like they're, they can pitch. This is a team that can pitch. Um, and you just imagine what it will be like when hopefully, because it just through 60 games, there hasn't been a stretch where it's felt like the offense has been clicking and the pitching has been clicking. It's like they are winning games sometimes in spite, like with, with one in spite of the other. Mm-hmm. They haven't just like had a game where, or a stretch of games where, you know, like the starters are going deep, bullpen's good, offense is, you know, performing in such a way that they're not just like throwing Eric Swanson into four games in, in six nights and Jordan Romano's pitching all the time. Like they just haven't been afforded that opportunity by the offense. And like, you can see the potential for this team. Like if it all comes together, like that's what the, 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 the whole proposition was with the way that they built this team this year. And it just hasn't happened yet for the offense, but you can see the, the bones of a really good team here if they can just figure out a way to get you know all cylinders of the engine going at the same time yeah i agree and like the thing i think you've said this and um it's pretty obvious like you know if if they don't get it going um or you know even if they do but it's not consistent enough i think we're gonna look back on the month of May and we're going to look back on that stretch of two and nine against your own division. And that's going to be what sunk them plenty of time for them to um, sort of correct that they can't afford another month like that. They can't afford another stretch like that against their own division. But uh, I do think the way that they've been playing these last few series against the twins, the brewers and the Mets uh, are showcasing them sort of at their not their best because I think their offense can be a lot better, but certainly how they can play very crisply and and not give away games. Um, you know, even even Sunday's game got dicey there, Pearson giving up the two tying home runs. But then a guy like Belt comes out and gets you right back into the game immediately and gives you the lead with a two-run home run. Like, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to hit for power. He's supposed to be that kind of veteran guy that comes up in big spots. He was doing exactly that today. And so that's the formula for this team to win. That's how they're built. I'll just say, you know, another thing that I wonder if it will start, I think they talked about this on the broadcast today, and I was like wondering about it too, or thinking about it too, is that I wonder over the long run, if the Blue Jays base running is going to um, cause it's, it's strange. Like they're actually like a very good base running team based on like statistics, like fan graphs, base running statistics and stuff, but they do make a lot of outs on the bases, like very yes. stupid outs on the bases, yeah. but they're very good. Like guys like Chapman, Varsho, Kiermaier and Merrifield, uh, even it, Kevin and Bo too, like a lot of them are very good at like taking the extra base. Like Varsho is yeah. excellent at like scoring from first, um, you know, on, well, he did it on a single that other week in Minnesota, but you know, good about scoring when they should, they're good base running team. It's just, they make like a ton of mistakes. Um, and so I would think that that would normalize too and start to like show itself a little bit more. Like they are a very good base running team. You would think that like once they start getting some of those more timely hits, that, that the fact that they're a good base running team and they know uh, when they can score is going to start showing itself a little more. It's just like they haven't gotten those like timely hits when guys are on the corners and they're not like hitting a double in that moment or whatever. So um, I think that's something that like I'm kind of waiting for to show. They are a more like dynamic team. Like defensively, they're really good in the outfield. Obviously, we've seen that with like Kiermaier and Varsho and, and Springer, like making some great diving plays. Even Varsho today, like, he didn't make that catch in center, but like the way he dove for it kind of like crowded anyway. So he held it to a single, yeah. um, which is like, those are like little things too. Like sure. He didn't make the highlight real play, but he did like everything else. And you know, that ball's a double, if not a triple <laughs> for a lot of other outfields, if they don't play it that exact way. And so I think some of that stuff too is over the long season is going to show itself a little bit more than it has. I mean, Baseball's so weird. Like to some people, it's you know it's been sixty games 
that's a lot of games, but like still kind of a small sample in terms of the the larger baseball season. So some of that like small sample size funniness is still um, playing with the Blue Jays, I guess. Like it's still kind of showing itself. So I think some of that stuff will start to normalize over the year. That's why the 2020 season is still so wild that like you just were like, yeah, here's a 60 game season (laughs) and that's just how it's going to be. And they made the playoffs and would have absolutely had no chance. I don't think even with the expanded um, with that roster in 2020, like they were very fortunate, but yeah, like 60 games is a sample size where you can make some determinations on some stuff. But like, I don't, you're by no means a finished product um, after 60 games, like, Memorial Day weekend in the States is usually when you start to really get a sense of, you know, what you are and your areas of strength and weakness and and what you need to address. But like, you know, you still have 110 games, you know, to really work with in terms of, you know, maximizing your opportunity um, to be as successful as possible. Okay, we got to talk about Whit Merrifield, who... I believe is eighth now in the American League in batting average. He's in the top 25 in hits. Um, he's been an absolute godsend because Biggio and Espinal have both been, by and large, I would say terrible. You know, like Biggio has been better lately, but it has been tough sledding for both of them. And it's just like, where would you be without Whit Merrifield? Um, you know, like that trade, I was really surprised by it because it just, it didn't seem like the type of, player that they were looking for but it's looking like a stroke of genius and like he's got that mutual option i think for 18 million with a five hundred thousand dollar buyout for next year to me he's already like a potential extension candidate like you at least should broach the subject and see if you know maybe there's a shorter term deal for less money but still you know a, a decent salary because uh he doesn't strike me as the type of player that like he's already in his mid thirties. He hasn't slowed down that much. Like it, it's not a bat speed with thing, thing with him. Like, I don't think he's going to age that poorly. Like if you sign him to a two year extension, I don't think that all of a sudden Whit Merrifield's game is going to completely erode in two years. Like, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, if you were to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> Honestly, I've been I've been caught up in the Kiermaier extension um, talk and what do you do with that? But um, I think that that's a good observation. I mean, he has been great. I think that the second base situation is so interesting because at the start of the year, it was like, you have three second basemen. Like, is it going to be a timeshare situation? And within a couple of weeks, Mayerfield kind of played his way into that role. Obviously, he's still playing a little bit of outfield as well when needed when they give Kiermaier like a day off or when Springer is DHing and they kind of mix that around a little bit um but by and large he's been pretty much an everyday player I think um mostly at second base I think he's really good at second base too he's a good defensive player um and he's a good outfielder too obviously uh not the same extent that Varsha was in left field but completely fine out there he can hold his own and so yeah you know what I haven't thought about the extension I wouldn't even be able to tell you like what I think would be a fair deal I mean the Blue Jays they've actually got a lot of work to do next year they've got a lot of positions to fill like third base second base center field um pitch well they need start I guess they'll need well I guess they'll always need pitching um and so they've actually got quite a bit to figure out, not yeah. to mention Bo and Vlad extensions. It's actually going to be a pretty critical year in terms of they haven't had that in years, in recent years. Like um, trying to think like this year, there wasn't a huge like position player hole other than yeah. like once they traded Teoscar, you knew they were going to have to do some stuff in the outfield, but coming out of that season there wasn't like oh this guy's a free agent this guy's like they didn't have a ton of that this year they're going to with Merrifield well having the option but that look probably is going to be declined and then um you make him a free agent and then Matt Chapman's obviously going to be a free agent um Bell will be a free agent Kiermaier will be a free agent um I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone, but those uh, are the big ones for sure position player wise yeah so yeah they've actually got quite a bit to figure out and yeah Sure, there's some internal options at second base um, and at third base, but 
not a not a ton of inspiring ones like no. Biggio and and Espinal look like fine bench players if they can sort of work their way out of slumps like Biggio's worked his way out of a slump um and he looks better yep lately he's doing like he's taking his walks more he's getting some hits um terrible base running on Saturday but jeez <laughs> so bad but um but otherwise, he's been fine. And but you know, he is a great utility player um, and a valuable person to have on the bench. But I'm not sure about an everyday second baseman at this point. Um, and so Whit-, Whit Manfield definitely an option. I think that he likes it in Toronto. I think that you know this he likes the team. He fits well with the team. I think he's a a favorite among the guys. Yeah. I know last year he took a bit of adjusting to get with the team. Wasn't super. Um, vocal f- from the get-go because it's like a new team. You played your whole life in the Royals organization, so it's super jarring, I think, for him to get traded. I don't think he totally expected to get traded. Like, it was a trade that caught a lot of people off guard. I think the sense of, like, him, he was always on the trading block for, like, years, and it just, like, never happened. So I'm sure when you get to the point, you're like, it's never going to happen, and then it happens, and you're, like, going to Toronto, which is, like, not a team you probably expected. So, um, but he's definitely, like, fit in really well this year. He's a really fun, nice guy. Seems to, like, very mesh really well with a lot of the guys. Um, And so I'm sure he'd be open to staying. It's just a matter of how are the Blue Jays going to like fit everyone? Because the thing that like Mark Shapiro always talks about is like kind of like layering a team where yeah. you have guys that are like on um, big contracts. You have guys that are like on the arbitration level contracts. Then you got, have guys that are like on the pre-arb and entry level type contracts. Yeah. Well, the Blue Jays are in a place right now where they have quite a few guys mostly making big money on those big contracts and making pretty significant arbitration dollars. Yes. They don't have a ton of young guys. Manoa's oh. basically at the end of those cheapy arb years. He's going to be entering – because he'll probably be a super two, I would think. Um, and yeah. so they don't have very many – I mean, the relievers can be pretty cheap, um, generally speaking, um, arb, arb levels. But, yeah, they don't have – like, there's not really any young prospects coming up. Kirk is, like, one of the younger guys. But even him, he's – going to be arbitration eligible pretty yep. soon too. So yep. um, that's the one thing that I'm curious about, like how many big contracts they're going to give out, or is there people in the system that they're going to have to sort of like make way for um, because you have to save some of your budget for Vlad and yep. Bo. Yep. It's a really good point. Like look at the Dodgers, for example, they even reach a limit right. of sorts where like, yeah, they have a lot of big term big money contracts, but look at their team this year. Like Bobby Miller is starting for them in the rotation prospect. Uh, two position players have been playing pretty regularly, Vargas and Outman. Like they are the model of layering it, mm-hmm. right? They're just a factory of churning out, you know, pitching prospects, position prospects. Like the Blue Jays, I don't think it, it's an unequivocal failure to this point in terms of just homegrown talent, you know, turning into major league talent. Like a lot of that is probably you've, you've cut your nose off to spite your face or whatever to making trades, right? Like you, your team was at a point where, you know, you needed some real major league uh, impactful additions and you use prospect capital to accomplish that, Mm -hmm. which is totally fine. But the ideal situation is to just, you know, continue churning it out and have guys closer to, you know, making an impact. Uh, like, unfortunately, like you trade Nick Frasso to the Dodgers, <laughs> right? That doesn't seem likely to, to end up working out for you. Um, like the Blue Jays have to get better at that because like, you know, having your entire rotation or 80% of your starting rotation for an indefinite period of time be um, exports rather than some imports that's not to me like the most sustainable model for prolonged success in major league baseball. Right. And like a lot of their homegrown you're hanging your hat on is Bo and Vlad, um, obviously developing those guys and they're legitimate superstars. For sure. 100%. Um, and so to have two like come up great. at the same time, it's great. Manoa was only a couple years later, Kirk as well. Like there's, you know, going further back, Jansen, um, not quite superstar level, but completely um, fine catcher that most teams would 
gladly take. Um, so there's definitely obviously been some success stories, but yeah, like we're getting to the point where Bo and Vlad are just established players at this point. You're yeah. not, you, you need that next wave and there's some guys, um, you know, Tiedemann is some, uh, a pitcher that you're really hoping works out, obviously has had some injury trouble this year. And, um, there's some other guys that look like they could be decent relief options. Um, but position player wise, like a is Aralvis Martinez going to be the third baseman of this team next year. That yeah. is a very uh, unsettling idea because like he's shown flashes, but like he's been very inconsistent at double a. So like if Matt Chapman's not your third baseman next year, who is like, are you going out and making a trade? Like, are you just, it's like whack-a-mole one leaves and another one comes up. Like there's just not that third baseman in the wings that you just be like, okay, I feel good about or decent about letting Matt Chapman leave. But like on the flip side, that signing Matt Chapman is the type of move that could really end up hurting you long-term because like, that contract probably isn't going to be good. Whoever signs it, odds are it's not going to be an amazing value or or anything even approaching a value. Yeah, I, I look at the Chapman situation very similarly to the Simeon one where there's a lot of reasons to keep the guy. He's great for the club. He's great for the clubhouse. He's a great player. Um, yeah, I don't – at first Chapman looked like he was going to go off this year and have like a, a – great um platform year the way that Simeon did when he hit uh what was it 40 42 45 45 45 home runs um which was crazy I can't believe I can't believe the Blue Jays did not make the playoffs (laughs) that year (laughs) (laughs) yeah Vlad hitting 48 home runs like basically the MVP outside of Shohei Otani you have Robbie Ray winning the Cy Young you have Marcus Simeon hitting 45 home runs as a second baseman Bo had a great year that year too. I mean, he didn't. Springer had a good year when he was healthy. Yeah, <laughs> it, was it was insane. Uh, yeah. uh, like the, if, you know, obviously they might have. I actually think that that team might have like won the World Series. They were peaking at the absolute right time. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, like we'll never know, but yeah, like that will go down. The bullpen to me is like I'm not sure that the bullpen yeah. would have been a playoff bullpen because yeah. it was the Blue, Blue Jays bullpen now is much better than it was then and yep. you even look at the one now and you're kind of has some question marks even though i think it's completely fine um but playoff baseball is different but honestly like that blue jays team could have just been like we're gonna just win all these playoff games like nine nothing or like or like nine five or whatever um because they just scored a ton of runs yeah um but anyway uh i've completely distracted us i don't know what we were talking about but just in terms of like yeah i guess matt chapman i mean that's gonna be a huge question and the blue jays really like though like and all the positions, there's like not a prospect knocking down the door at any no. position other than like maybe if Tiedemann goes on like a second half run, gets up to triple A. But even then, he's not he's not going to be knocking down the door um, at this point because he's just going to have to build up slowly and yeah. blah, 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 blah. So there's not – there's really like not anyone. Like the last one they had was Moreno and obviously they used him as a trade ship and he wasn't even like – they were completely fine with their two catchers. That was the whole situation, right? Like they had too many. So that's kind of like the next question of this organization. Like they've pushed a lot of their chips in, understandably so at the major league level, you kind of got to win it. Like this is, this is your, this is your, the, you traded for two years of Chapman because you thought in those two years, you're going to have a pretty good chance to go on a run and win it. Um, you traded for Whit Merrifield last year for another season because you thought, okay, next season or, you know, that playoff or next playoff, you're going to have a good chance to win it. Like, yeah, you're doing all these things, um, because you're trying to win in the present and it's not an issue if you don't have anyone knocking down the door, if at the end of the year, you win the world series. Yeah. Um, no one's really crying about who the next third baseman is. They're just basking in the glory of winning the world series. Um, and, and you know, the front office then gets a free pass to some extent because you kind of delivered, but if they don't like, that's a huge question. Like not only has this team not delivered, um, they've used a lot of assets and not to the extent that like the 2015 team did, like, it's not like cupboards are bare, but it's not cupboards are overflowing either. No, it's like, I think by by and large, like a bottom 
certainly half, and if not third farm system in the majors. Although, like it's not it's not terrible, but it's not it's not amazing. Like right. it's it's not great. I would say. I would just wait. I as you were saying that, I remembered one thing that would leave a hopeful note maybe is that I remember talking to Keith law um, a while back and he said, the blue Jays don't have like many guys in the top 100, but if he was to expand it to like the top 200, they'd have a ton of guys. So they have a lot of, so they have a lot of guys right now that are very young. Yep. Um, And so they're like at that, low a high a level but they have a ton of like upside they have a ton of like raw um skills and they just kind of need some refinement so that was kind of the hopeful note he left with is like you know you're not you can go on forever and ever in terms of prospect lists top 300 top 400 um so there's no real reason to do a top 200 but he basically said like in the next couple of years, if those guys continue on, like they're going to be pushing in the top 100. So the Blue Jays, it's somewhat of a young system right now. And they've traded some of their upper, upper level guys and they've graduated a lot of upper level guys in the last few years. So it's kind of a weird period for their, their system. But again, I'd go back to the point where it's like, that's fine. The major league level is doing what you expect them to be doing. So that's really key for the team this year. Like, you know, we're, this isn't a total World Series or bust year. Pretty but close. It kind, it, but it kind of is. It, it's yeah. at least getting close to the World Series. Yeah. Um, you got to get to the ALCS, I think. Oh, bare minimum. It's it, Which is like to go from not winning a playoff game and it's just like the expectations are still what they are. Like it is what it is. You have a ton of talent. Like the window is what it is. But like, anyone who says that the window is long, it's it's not. It's just, it's not, it, it might prove to be if some of these other prospects end up coming up and materializing into the type of talent um, that you're looking for. But right now, like this current group for the most part, I think is Bo and Vlad's current contract trajectory. So they have two more years beyond this one, barring an extension, assuming both are going to free agency after 2025. This is your window uh, this year, next year, 2025. It's, you know, empty the chamber to figure out a way if it doesn't happen this year, the next two years, because, you know, like who you're just, it's a nebulous future beyond 2025. If those two guys or one of those two guys at the very least isn't in the fold, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was like, it's always so wide ranging. Like when it's just me, it's just like, I just bang it out like a couple of quick, you know, hitters on stuff. It's like having, you here just like allows us to go in a bunch of different directions. I do appreciate you uh, like always coming on and indulging me in some of the like rants and ravings or whatever, but I, I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Kayla McGrath from The Athletic. Good stuff as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm Josh Goldberg. Thanks as always for listening to Designated for Assignment and I'll uh, talk to you next week.